This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Recent research reveals ways to help juvenile delinquents steer clear of crime and jail time. We'll talk to the author of the research study. What are the kinds of things that you're doing when you most often get into trouble? And how can you develop a strategy so that in the future, when you're with these people, when you're doing these certain things, you know how to get yourself out of that high-risk situation? Then, can one minute of intense exercise really make a difference in your overall health? The answer to that question may surprise you. There's many different types and versions of interval training, and they've been widely applied, not just to elite athletes, but for individuals, including people with type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, and even cardiovascular disease. Those stories and more are coming your way on this edition of InfoTrack. Stay with us. It all begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. A recent research study has revealed ways to help young delinquents avoid criminal behavior and repeated jail time. Here with the story, InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. There's a new program showing promise in helping some kids who've gotten in trouble with the law change their ways and stay out of juvenile detention centers for a significant period of time. In fact, a study showed that kids in the program were four times less likely to be incarcerated 12 months later. This new program teaches clinically aggressive juveniles who've broken the law how to manage risky behavior and make better choices to cope with what life dishes out. And here now to tell us about this is Dr. Ashley Kendall, postdoctoral fellow in the University of Illinois at Chicago School of Public Health. Dr. Kendall, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the program, first, we're talking about juveniles who are clinically aggressive and on probation. So what does clinically aggressive mean in this context? What clinically aggressive means is that these teenagers were telling us that they were frequently doing things like getting into physical fights or yelling or destroying other people's property. And tell us what sorts of things they've done to get arrested. Over half of our clinically aggressive young offenders told us that for this most recent arrest, what has landed them in the juvenile justice system and at the time that they were starting the study was a crime against a person. Give me a sense of the biography on these kids. Are they male, female? Are they teens? Is there a racial mix? The participants were 13 to 17 years old. The average age was about 16. And 90% were African American, about 10% had Hispanic ethnicity, and the majority, about two-thirds are boys and one-third were girls. And this new program ran for two weeks, as I understand it, and focused on helping the juveniles recognize triggers that lead to their risky behavior, either aggressive or sexual. What were some of the behaviors? These behaviors could include any number of outcomes. So this could include sexual risk-taking. It could also include violent behavior, substance use, anything like that. And how about peer influence? I mean, if you're hanging around with the wrong group, that can be a problem, can't it? Absolutely. We were really attuned to these kind of social contextual factors. And part of what Fat Life helped juvenile offenders to do is to identify who are the friends who you're around when you most often get into trouble? What are the kinds of things that you're doing when you most often get into trouble? And how can you develop a strategy so that in the future, when you're with these people, when you're doing these certain things, you know how to get yourself out of that high-risk situation? And the triggers lead to what the researchers called hot feelings. 
that's when the trouble starts. Is that right? Yeah, so that can certainly be something that contributes to these kind of risk behaviors. So we had juvenile offenders use something called a feelings thermometer, where they would place different emotions anywhere on that thermometer from cool, and these are feelings that aren't so intense, aren't so strong, up through hot feelings. And we would help them to make the connections between their hot, their more intense emotions, and their risky behaviors. And this is something that we would get really positive feedback on from the youth. So they would come up sometimes afterwards and tell us, you know, it never occurred to me before, but yeah, when I'm really angry, I'm way more likely to then start drinking and then to get into this fight. Or yeah, you know, when I'm really kind of worked up or excited about something, I'm more likely to, you know, engage in unsafe sex. So we're helping young people to make these connections between their intense emotions, which we say can function as a sort of warning sign and potential risky behaviors. So what are some of the coping strategies that kids were taught to use instead of making bad choices? Fat Life was highly individualized, personalized, and applied. So we would have participants come up with these different kind of risky situations from their own lives. And one example I'm thinking of right now that they role-played recently was your best friend comes up to you and he says, hey, your cousin is in the hospital. Some guy beat him up really bad. Come with me. Let's go confront this guy. I know the party that he's at. And then it's the job of the young person who's been approached in this role play to come up with strategies to get himself out of that risky situation. And so one example would be something like redirecting attention. So instead of agreeing to go along and, you know, confront this guy at a party, which could escalate into interpersonal violence, instead the participants suggested, hey, let's go visit my cousin in the hospital. I want to see how he's doing. I want to see what's going on. So that would be one example of a strategy. And importantly, you know, one strategy, of course, isn't going to work for everybody or necessarily even most young people. So we really encouraged everyone in the group to think through these scenarios for themselves. And after the role play ended, we would have all of the teens, even the ones who didn't participate, talk through, you know, what might I have done in that situation? And would that have worked for me? You know, why or why not? So they come away from it with an understanding of what they could do if they're confronted with that kind of risk. And what was, shall we say, the uh, secret sauce, the aspect that made this program so effective, this shared learning experience? We definitely think so. We, we can't say empirically, but we believe that, yeah, the fact that fat life is so individualized and personalized is part of what helps it stand out from other programs. So our health promotion control group included some amount of the same content, but also focused on, for example, HIV risk behavior. But that curriculum was much more about generalized knowledge and facts. And we think that the learning process there was more passive. In fat life, young people are being guided through this process of taking potentially abstract concepts and applying them directly to their own lives, as you said, and, yeah, thinking through how is this going to work for me. We're speaking with Dr. Ashley Kendall from the University of Illinois at Chicago School of Public Health regarding a new program helping some teens who've been arrested and placed on probation avoid unhealthy behaviors and avoid incarceration. This program called Fat Life, P-H-A-T. And doctor, what does that stand for? P-H-A-T stands for Preventing HIV and AIDS Among Teens. Fat Life was developed and continues to be led by Dr. Jerry Donenberg, who's professor of medicine here at the University of Illinois at Chicago and funded by the National Institute of Minority Health and Health Disparities. As the title suggests, Fat Life had a primary aim of reducing 
risk behaviors related to HIV. And this is because juvenile offenders remain one of the groups in the United States who are at highest risk for going on to contract HIV. However, as we talked about, one of the really unique and important aspects of fat life is that it simultaneously addressed this broad range of risk factors. So although the focus was most explicitly on HIV prevention, youth were actively encouraged to think about the risky behaviors most relevant to their own lives. And not only did the kids benefit, but the community benefits too, doesn't it? Because crime of any kind brings cost not just for incarceration, but in other ways, correct? Sure. We know that juvenile aggression is a major source of burden, not just for victims and witnesses, but also for the offenders themselves, and then by extension, really, for society more broadly. So to unpack that a little bit, there's research that for young people, being either a victim or a witness of violence is associated with increased anxiety and depression, poor academic functioning, and higher likelihood, actually, of going on to initiate violent activity themselves. And then the offenders are at risk, among other things, for being incarcerated, which unfortunately often seems to exacerbate existing mental health problems, which can just perpetuate criminal activity and result in this sort of ongoing contact with the justice system. So the cumulative economic costs here, as you can imagine, are tremendous when you consider the dollars spent on addressing violence with incarceration and other methods, as well as the lost productivity on the part of victims, witnesses, and the offenders themselves. So for all of these reasons, it's really important that we have evidence-based programming that can intervene in juvenile aggression and help to offset this sort of cascade of negative effects. Dr. Ashley Kendall from the University of Illinois at Chicago's School of Public Health. Thank you for being our guest today. Yes, thank you for your interest in our work. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. Next, what can one minute of exercise do for you? The surprising answer, coming up. Stick around, there's more InfoTrack straight ahead. 